Hi, everyone. Welcome to Open Mind Night, the show that talks about everything mental health and mental illness related. I am your host, Robin Tamanaha, licensed marriage and family therapist. Joining me on this episode is my guest, Davina Kotulski. Davina Kotulski is a licensed clinical psychologist, sought-after speaker, and award-winning best-selling author with a thriving therapy practice in California and Washington, and an international life coaching practice. Dr. Davina facilitates workshops and webinars on resilience, self-empowerment, authentic self-expression, past life regression, spiritual growth, and mysticism. Dr. Davina has appeared on Good Morning La La Land, The Sky Life, OK Tested in India, and Wake Up to the Sound of Transformation on KPFK with Michael Bernard Beckwith. She was also the guest therapist in episode three of Sarah Silverman's Please Understand Me series on Amazon Prime. Her newest self-help book, The Mana Paradigm Shift, Creating the Consciousness of Abundance, was released in 2021. Her first self-help book, It's Never Too Late to Be Yourself, Follow Your Inner Compass, and Take Back Your Life, is now an award-winning audiobook, ebook, and paperback. She's also the author of Why You Should Give a Damn About Gay Marriage, Love Warriors, The Rise of the Marriage Equality Movement, and Why It Will Prevail, and Behind Barbed Eyes. She created the How to Come Out of the Closet and Into Your Power audio programs, addressing coming out and living an authentic life. Dr. Kotulski was at the forefront of the LGBTQ marriage equality movement and appeared in dozens of documentaries, Newsweek Magazine, USA Today, CNN, the San Francisco Chronicle, LA Times, and international news channels. Dr. Davina shared the stage with comedian Margaret Cho, civil rights leader Dolores Huerta, and celebrities Cloris Leachman, Dustin Lance Black, and Armstead Mopin. Dr. Davina received numerous awards for marriage equality leadership, including the Saints Alive Award and San Francisco LGBT Pride Community Grand Marshal. Dr. Davina began her career as a psychologist in a federal prison, leading empowerment workshops with female inmates, introducing them to the teachings of Thich Nhat Han, Napoleon Hill, and Tony Robbins. She is passionate about helping people feel empowered grow spiritually, and live their authentic lives. In this episode of Open Mind Night, we discuss hetero superiority, coming out, and how it's a lifelong process and shows up in different ways in different parts of your life, being out and proud, and fearless queerness. I hope you enjoy. Davina? Hey, Robin. Hi, thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks for inviting me to talk about a subject that's near and dear to my heart. 100%. Yeah, I'm super, super excited to have you. So I figure we'll just dive right in with all the things. I have lots of questions and I know we're going to go over like coming out, you know, the process and kind of what all of that looks like. So for the listeners and maybe those who may not be super familiar with with it, could you um, describe and explain like what is coming out? What does that mean? So um, coming out is the, okay, so I want to just take a step back and say, we have this notion that everyone is, you know, um, heterosexual until proven otherwise, uh, and cisgendered until proven otherwise. 
we don't hold that space already that all possibilities are, you know, there. We automatically assume that everyone is cisgendered and heterosexual. And so the coming out process refers to um, someone articulating maybe first to themselves uh, that they are not either cisgendered or heterosexual. And then another part of coming out is acknowledging to other people in their lives that they are not cisgendered and they are not heterosexual. And then defining, you know, how, how they do identify um, what their sexual orientation or gender orientation is. And the coming out process, um, you know, typically uh, coming out to yourself, we think of it as kind of a one and done. But actually, sometimes people come out and they begin to understand one aspect of themselves. And as that unfolds, they begin to understand other aspects of themselves. And then they might come out again in another way. So, for example, some people might first identify that um, uh, that they feel non-binary, right? Um, so not cisgendered and they identify as non-binary. And um, then they may realize, oh, well, actually, I'm transgender. And but it's they had to get to that state first to have space to understand, you know, more about themselves. Um, and some people might uh, come out as gay and then realize actually they're bisexual. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's sort of the coming out process. So um, it, it, it's not just a one and done thing. Mm -hmm. Additionally, uh, you might come out to some people in your life, but then you meet new people and have to come out again or a work situation or different areas of your life that you're, you're coming out in. So, but basically it's, it's the process of beginning to identify that you're um, not what is assumed. You're not heterosexual, you're not cisgendered. And there might be some confusion about that. Um, there's an old school model that has some relevance, but it's not completely accurate at this point. But 1979, Vivian Cass created this identity formation model. And she talked about identity confusion where somebody's trying to figure out what they are, then they go into comparison. I'm like this, but I'm not like this. And then um, a little more acceptance, uh, like tolerance of themselves and others who are different because we're all raised in a society where, uh, unfortunately, I mean, it's getting better, but we're all raised in a society that automatically rejects non-cisgendered and non-heterosexual people and views them as suspect because we come from this hetero superiority place, right? Yeah. That's, that's the norm. That's the, the best and everything is less. Being cisgendered is the best. Everything else is less. Being heterosexual is best. Everything else is less. Yeah. Thanks for describing that. It sounds like there's a lot of layers, right, mm -hmm. to it and very much a discovery process, you know, and things can, you know, transform the more you get to know yourself and then sharing that, that to others, it sounds like. Right. Mm -hmm. so, so what happens next in the process is as you become more tolerant of differences in yourself and others, you move on to acceptance of yourself, um, then step into feeling, you know, pride, like, I'm proud of myself. This is good, you know. And and sometimes when people are in in the pride state, that they only want to interact with other people um, that share their gender orientation, their sexual orientation, and it's it's a way of celebrating. It's a way of being protective. It's a way of immersing in um, that culture and getting that support. 
And then um, another stage, sort of what is considered the final stage, although again, these aren't linear, you can move around, but synthesis where your sexual orientation or your gender identity is you know, just a part of yourself, which again, if we normalized um, being non-cisgendered and we normalized other sexual orientations besides heterosexuality, it would always be that case because for cisgendered and heterosexual people, their identity is already already synthesized into they golf, you know, they like to go horseback riding, they they bowl, they're good at math, you know, they like to drink coffee. It, it's just, you know, being heterosexual or being female or male is just one aspect of who they are. But again, because there's this, you got to look, you got to claim it. Um, you got to step out of the box. You know, we don't raise kids and say, you know, hey, I had a kid. It's like, did you have a boy or a girl? We give them pronouns. We don't raise children as they them. And then when they decide what their pronouns are, then they can tell us. Yeah. Wouldn't that be interesting? Yeah. Raised kids as gender neutral. And then they get to decide, hey, yeah, you know what? I'm a boy or I'm a girl or I'm non-binary. These are my pronouns, right? So true. I'm a I'm a kid of the '80s, right? And um, you know, I remember that growing. Even like being in stores, I love toys and all these things, and just very much the colors, you know, related to genders or um, what was. And I and I was very different in a way where I was kind of more like playing out in the dirt. Like I didn't really, <laughs> I wasn't playing with Barbies. I was given a Barbie. I remember as a very young child, and I didn't want the Barbie. I just, you know, I, I was ex- trying to explore like other things. And so I remember how even growing up, sometimes that was kind of placed upon me or like, oh, here, let's go down this aisle. And I'm like, but what about that other aisle, you know? And so it'd be so huge if um, we just let kiddos explore, right? Rather right. than having to place certain like kind of boxes and all that. Um, and going back to what you said about you know, first kind of within and looking within is there are things that may be like helpful or certain barriers maybe to that, like kind of self-discovery process and that acceptance piece mm-hmm. when it starts within themselves first? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, young people, for example, they feel their their parents' pressures and desires and dreams for them and expectations for them. Yeah. And so, you know, they know might be taboo to want to play in the dirt, for example, a little girl wanting to play in the dirt or um, a little girl wanting to uh, wear pants and not a dress on Easter or something like, like, so knowing what the pressures are. So if we, again, if we, then these are sort of bigger societal changes, but there are personal things that we can do. If we talk to kids and give them choices, you know, like, okay, well, what kind of clothes do you want? Not like, okay, we're in the little girl section of clothes, what, or little boy section, what clothes do you want? It's like, let's walk around all the clothes. What do you, what do you like? You know, and even if the kid says, well, but mommy, this is the boy section or this is the girl section. Yeah, that's what they say, but they're clothes. You know, what, what are you drawn to? Um, these are toys. What do you, like a, a parent or an aunt or an uncle or another person being able to say, you know, um, yeah, but boys and girls can play with dolls or they can play with trains, you know, just because somebody says that, like creating opportunities for kids, being open, saying that, um, I think that, and teachers, I think that creates, helps knock down some of the barriers. 
uh, I think in, with regard to sexual orientation, um, people saying things like, um, like I love this, my my um, uh, stepson, his fifth grade teacher, I think I mentioned this to you, would say, welcome the, the class and would say, good morning, guys and gals and non-binary pals. So, you know, here's these 10 year olds, nine and 10 year olds hearing, oh yeah, you know what? Some of us are guys, some of us are gals, and some of us are non-binary, and it just is, no big deal, right? Um, having uh, adults and parents uh, ask questions like, you know, um, uh, do, you, do you wanna get married when you're older? Do you wanna have a husband or a wife? Or, you know, asking teenagers, do you, you know, uh, are you dating anybody? Do you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend? Like just putting those into the, the, the question very matter of fact, like non-judgmental, you know, uh, I would say to my my stepsons who appear at this point to be identifying as heterosexual cisgendered uh, boys, you know, but when you grow up and get married and have a husband or a wife, what do you, da, 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 you know, is that something you want to do? Just, just asking questions. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and open. I love that. And too, like, and this is just like personally, but like, if somebody, if growing up, say somebody, um, you know, asked me those questions, you know, very mm -hmm. open and all these different options. And it wasn't like limiting. I would think it would have also made me feel even open and sharing. So when it comes to sharing, you know, or coming out to others, mm -hmm. you know, how it kind of, uh, hoping to create that safe space. And like, I don't know, for me, sometimes I kind of test the waters a little, you yeah. know, to see about like, you know, as far as whether I'm not going to, whether I'm going to share something or not, just to see if it's, you know, safe or how somebody may be, not that I don't want to, but I think right. that helps the dialogue and that helps the conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Imagine if, if when you were a kid, somebody said, you know, like, do you have a, do you have a crush on, you know, a boy or a girl or both, you know, just like, yeah, it, you know, it's all possible, right. Just creating space for that. You know, do you like boys or girls or both? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I know you touched on that and the family. I'm curious what um what and how does this show up, you know, throughout the life, lifespan or lifelong coming out process? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, I mean, what we have seen is that uh people come out at all ages. Um some of the early times is like uh, a lot of, you know, some kids will come out as um, as as trans transgender or non cisgendered when they're as young as as two, you know, uh, in terms of um, the and yet we'll, we'll we use this old term school uh, old school term tomboy. Oh, you know, she's a tomboy. Um, and some girls are more rough and tumble and some girls are actually boys but they've been labeled a tomboy as opposed to allowing them to be non-binary or um you know identifying them as transgender um and uh but so some kids it's like can be as young as two um a lot of people will uh when they begin to uh, have their first sexual awakenings as teenagers going through puberty they will begin to recognize oh i you know again like i'm attracted to um, same sex, I'm putting them in quote, the opposite sex, both sexes, putting those things in quote. Um, so there's like a lot of teenagers. Some people wait until they're out of the home to come out because it's too uh, dangerous to come out while they're living with their parents or where they're in high school where it's judgmental or there's a religious family or, you know, they sense the parents' disapproval. So they repress it, they stuff it. 
And it's not until college where they have some freedom that they come out. Um, and then, of course, we've seen people, you know, come out in their, their 20s or 30s or 40s or 60s or 70s, even their 80s. Uh, and especially um, if they have had to repress and whether they're repressing their sexual orientation or they're repressing their gender identity. Um, a lot of people uh, came out as LGBT, as, as lesbian or gay or bisexual in the much later decades of their lives because with marriage equality becoming legal in 2015, they felt like they could finally, you know, they, it was no longer a crime. It was no longer, I mean, right? It was a crime in mm -hmm. 2003 and yep. many states. So, you know, once it was no longer a crime, it was legal to get married. A lot of people came out. Um, once there was uh, the term non-binary and transgender and people identifying pronouns became a part of our more, uh, you know, just our regular vernacular, it empowered more people to finally say, I've been, I've known this since I was, you know, I know, I knew I was a little girl since I was four. Now I'm 44. I can finally say this, or I'm 64 and I've finished my career and I don't have to be, I don't have to show up to work in a suit anymore. I can retire and now I can, you know, transition to female. So it really, it's, um, it, it can happen all over the lifespan because there's so many different factors that impinge on individual people. Some yeah. of them class and support, like how much money do they have? Do they have the ability to protect themselves? And because um, a lot of transgender people lose their jobs and they're not hired. Mm -hmm. I like that you, you explained the whole process. It's, it can look different, you know, for different individuals. Yeah. And um, I think that's important for all the listeners to know and that it doesn't have to be a particular way. Like there are lots of factors where maybe somebody, you know, may share that later in life, you know, and that's, that's okay too, as opposed to feeling pressure, like, okay, I gotta, you know, say this or say it now, or, yeah. you know, it's pride month. I gotta say something, you know what I mean? Like it, that, that's okay. It doesn't have to be that way. It can look different for everybody for, for different reasons. Mm. Right. And just because somebody is with one particular partner, uh, doesn't mean that that's their full sexual orientation. So somebody might be with a same-sex partner, but they're actually bisexual or demisexual or pan. Um, and somebody might be uh, look like they're in a heterosexual relationship, so they must be heterosexual, but actually they're bisexual or demisexual or pansexual. So we can't make assumptions about people either. Mm -hmm. Very, very true. Yeah, and some people feel like, oh, um, they have to hide, especially folks who are bisexual or pansexual may feel that they have to hide um, who they are because uh, in in either direction, like one, it's like, okay, well, I'm more identified with the gay community, so I don't want to be rejected by the gay community. Um, and also, I don't want to give the the haters in the heterosexual community any fodder to tell me, okay, well, you're bisexual, so you really could be with someone of the opposite sex, for example. So they feel pressure to not be that that their whole self whole selves kind of talking a little fast here or <laughs> someone might be in a heterosexual relationship and feel the uh, homophobia and the biophobia and the pressure to not come out and be fully out about being bisexual because they feel pressure from the heterosexual community yeah yeah that was my experience because i identify as bisexual and so I, and also going back to what you said too, about like sharing each time I meet somebody or, you know, or, you know, I think people may 
think something because of maybe my presentation or because now I'm, you know, I'm in a relationship with man, you know? And so there's a lot of like assumptions. So um, when I do end up sharing, they're like, Oh, you know, and there's a lot of questions, which I'm fine, you know, answering. Uh, but I think that's another thing for people to keep in mind is, you know, you don't know, you know, so being curious, you know, not making assumptions um, right. just based off of, you know, what you think you may be seeing <laughs> essentially. Right. And it's so interesting. We make assumptions about strangers and we hardly even know them. Imagine the assumptions that we make about people that are close to our, in our lives that we think we know, and we just assume we know everything about them and this is who they are without ever asking questions. Yeah. Yeah. That is very true. And so what about like the, uh, expanding outside of the individual, mm -hmm. right. To like, maybe, um, like the, the parents, like if their child comes out or, um, say the partners, I just mentioned partner, you know, mm -hmm. as well. Like, I would think that's also um, kind of how it may show up. And, and it's interesting because then the others may have their own experience with that. Right. And being a part. Right. right. So, so, uh, you know, it's not uncommon for people to be, um, I'll, I'll try to uh, express all of it, but for, for people to be in a heterosexual relationship and perhaps one person comes out as non cisgendered mm -hmm. and the relationship has been predicated on, this is a heterosexual you know, male, female couple, and then someone comes out and says, well, actually, not that, you know, and then then the partner uh, uh, has to be able to, to come out and deal with their feelings about that. Like, oh, okay, um, now, uh, if, if this person transitions, um, how do I, like, does that impact my own sexual attraction to this person? And um, if we do stay together, now, how do I appear now? We now we're we look like a gay male couple, or we look like a lesbian couple. How do I explain that, and how do I understand my own sexual orientation within that context now? So, if I married a man who's become a woman now, am I a lesbian, right? Or um, how do I deal with the fact that I'm going to be perceived as a lesbian? Or what are people going to think? So, it's a coming out process about that. So, in being able to even say. Um, my former husband, who's now my wife, who transitioned to my wife, like finding the language. And again, we just don't have these conversations. So people stumble over it. It's hard. It's, you know, hard to explain it. Or, you know, my son, who's now my daughter, right? Or my daughter, who's now my son. Mm. And, or using gender neutral, you know, uh, language, my, mm -hmm. kid, my spouse. Um, but yeah, so, and then when a, a parent has a child come out they now have to come out and and talk about their kid and deal with their own internalized transphobia non-binary phobia which isn't even a word i don't know what the word is because again our words are and our concepts are growing and changing yeah. Yeah. you know um but uh you know they have to deal with their own uh, homophobia transphobia whatever it is um, and, and then also come out as, uh, you know, this is my child. Yeah. yeah. If, um, if there is somebody who maybe, um, you know, they're the parent or they're the partner or partners mm -hmm. or spouse, you know, spouses, um, and they're like, okay, um, now I know this, you know, how would they maybe like, what are some first steps for them to kind of get started on like processing this or how would they you know if your spouse comes out mm -hmm. yeah um so it's really important to get support uh you know you're gonna, i mean part of it is like is is the coming out 
um, an end of, of the marital relationship? Is it an end of the romantic relationship, for example? So if someone comes out as gay and you're in a heterosexual relationship, then um, you might still stay together, but the romantic relationship is is likely that's that's the end of that, not necessarily all the time, but usually that's what is being said, is that I love you, but I'm actual, my sexual orientation is not the same as your gender. And so that can be the end of that romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting support to deal with grief, you know, that's a grief and loss. Um, so having your own therapy, grief counseling, um, going to uh, PFLAG if you want to be able to be supportive of your partner, uh, going to uh, what used to be called the Straight Spouse Network, which I believe is called Our Story now. Can't remember, should have looked that up beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you type in Straight Spouse Network, it will take you to that. Mm-hmm. Um, in some uh, relationships where someone is transitioning uh, to another gender, uh, some some people it's not, it's like, okay, yeah, I still, I'm still in love with you. I get it, you're gonna change uh, how your your presentation, your name, your body. And, um, but some people are like, already comfortable with that so they can okay you know i'm attracted to you and um so that's fine for other people it might be like oh i think i'll be fine and then they get to that point it's like oh well i didn't realize that you know when um these aspects of your body changed that you know i wouldn't feel the same so like for example um a lesbian couple where someone transitions to male it might really change the attraction you know, or a heterosexual couple where someone changes to the other gender it might be like, oh, well, I'm only attracted to this gender and you're not that gender anymore. Mm. It really, okay. really depends. It's very individual. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Very individual. And also another uh, process to reflect mm-hmm. on, you know. Yeah. Um, one last thing. I know one of the things we kind of talked about before we started recording was uh, fearless queerness. Yeah. Can you explain what that means? Yeah. So fearless queerness is about loving yourself unapologetically, not taking on this mantle of you should be ashamed or you're a sinner, you're a criminal, all this crap and baggage from the past. It's like anybody who's LGBTIQ has an absolute right to be on this planet. They are a unique expression of the human tapestry and they're worthy of love and worthy of loving themselves 100% being who they are expressing themselves, you know, however they want to express themselves. It doesn't hurt anyone else to be yourself, you know, um, and to just, just, you know, being comfortable, being, being unafraid. Um, you know, we still live in a world that wants to harm certain people. So there's that take precautions, but it's about, I'm not going to apologize to you for who I am. I don't have to explain, you know, why I, whatever it is, paint my nails, wear men's underwear if I'm, you know, assigned female at birth, why I have my hair long or my hair short. I'm not going to apologize. This is who I am. And it's just walking in the world with your head held high and loving yourself and just being fully self-accepting of yourself and letting other people catch up to you. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, before we end, is there anything I didn't ask about or bring up that you want the listeners to know? Um, I think that just being open to 
that the world is changing. And, it, and for some people, it might be scary. You might stumble, it might be uncomfortable. Um, but there's a really a lot of value in, in our changing as a society and creating more space. So um, I would invite people to, you know, it might be uncomfortable, but don't roll your eyes at it. Um, you know, think about how you can make the world a safer place. Like we, we can't see our Zoom stuff, but we have our pronouns listed. It's not hurting anybody for us to list our pronouns. You know, it's like Robin's got she, her. I've got she, they, them. I identify as non-binary. I was assigned female at birth. So, and and actually I'll respond to any any uh, pronouns because I'm, I'm, but those are my preferred pronouns. But, you know, I am comfortable within my skin. But, you know, people, um, if you share your pronouns, it's not a punishment to you. It's it's actually a way of you honoring who you are and how you identify and giving space for other people to do that. Um, if you misgender somebody, which means you use the wrong gender because you're getting used to it, apologize. Don't beat yourself up about it. Don't make the other person feel uncomfortable. Just say, oh, I'm so sorry, and correct yourself, right? It, Try not to dead name people if people have changed their names. Um, use the name that they are. If you accidentally do it, apologize. If you're doing it on, uh, on purpose, take a look at what kind of person you are. Why are you doing that? You know, yeah. what's, what's about you? So I think that's it. But yeah, we're, we're changing. Be open to it. Um, change can be uncomfortable. We're all growing. But I think it's going to create really uh, wonderful, safe spaces for all of us in the end. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for doing this too. This is very near and dear to my heart as well, this, this topic. So super excited um, to have you on. So I very much appreciate it. Um, if the listeners want to find out more about you, is there anywhere they can go, like website or social media handles? Yeah. Um, so you can find me at, uh, my website is Davina, D-A-V-I-N-A, Katolsky, K-O-T, ulski.com, davinakatolsky.com. And um, you can find me, my uh, Instagram is drkatolsky, Dr. Katolsky. Um, I am off Twitter. <laughs> and you can find me on Facebook and you can find me on LinkedIn and, and YouTube. I have a YouTube channel with uh, different videos on um, how to deal with stress and other topics and past life regression and other interesting things I do. And I also do uh, continuing education classes for psychologists, social workers, uh, nurses. Um, and if you put in my name, you can find classes on the Zur Institute and TPN and other places where I do offer um, continuing education on this, this subject matter. And you can find that on my website as well. Great. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to list all of that in the show notes. Right. That way the listeners can easily click on it. So thanks. Thanks again yeah. for doing this. Thank, my pleasure. Thank you for hosting this show and all that you do to help educate and enlighten people. It's really a pleasure and I look forward to connecting with you again. Thanks for listening. Hopefully this was informative or helpful. If you think this episode may be helpful to others that you know, be sure to share this episode with them. The resources mentioned and the contact information for today's guest are listed in the show notes. If you like what you heard, please leave us a rating. If you would like to stay up to date, please subscribe to this podcast and follow the podcast Instagram at Open Mind Night Pod. Also, 
This podcast is not psychotherapy or counseling. If you need to speak with a professional, you should find one local to you and contact them directly. If this is an emergency, please call your local emergency number or go to your nearest emergency department.